0: bunch of people are calling for him to get we running we're recording yep when did we start like while i was talking yeah
1: Not yeah.
2: everybody else
0: all right so welcome <laughs> to our, our second episode of 2021 we are suits and boots we are your hosts i'm dugan i'm leslie and we have a special guest here with us today and we're taking on some i feel like interesting topics that has to do with the b-i-b-l-e the bible and i'm actually really excited about this so i'm going to introduce our guest mr thomas aka dusty bracket i
1: didn't know your
2: first name was thomas oh yeah thomas dustin bracket is the official
1: title but dusty,
0: he also likes to be called duddy
2: duddy only by my closest
1: friends <laughs> that would not be us <laughs> Dusty, (laughs) uh,
0: we'll let you introduce yourself, talk about your background, where you're a pastor at, and all that. So take it away for a few.
2: Okay. My name is Dusty Brackett. Uh, I am the executive pastor at Liberty Church in York. I have a little bit of education because I desperately needed it. And I love working with people, love studying the Word of God, the Bible, and hopefully we'll have some good
1: conversations tonight. All right. I need you to get a little bit closer to the mic.
0: Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, Sound like. You got to remember, Dusty probably needs a high chair. Ha-ha! <laughs> wow. and there's the short jokes. Well, I'm five foot five for the record. Anybody who knows Dusty <laughs> knows he gets picked on about his height, but we love him. He's Never the only old. one that makes me feel tall. He Never is such old. a weirdo guy. All right, real quick before we get started, let's knock out three of the sponsors. This drives my wife crazy. Short and sweet. Short and sweet. Hospitality Heating and Air, your local Rock Hill Heating and Air professionals. Number two, controlled sites. They do, that's where you work, so say what they do.
1: Erosion control. Out of? Clover, South Carolina.
0: And then number three, essential surveillance. That is the business that I run. I do cameras. Sketchy. Yep. Cameras (laughs) for businesses and homes. The home of no monthly fees or contracts. Mention that you heard it on the podcast, and I'll give you 10% off your purchase.
1: A.K.A. the camera guy.
0: A.K.A. the camera guy. Promo code... Too Tall. That's that's because we're called, the whole podcast family is called Too Tall Media Group.
2: Okay. That All was right. another short joke. <laughs>
0: no, 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 no. It wasn't a short joke. I promise it wasn't. But it was really weird when the dog, because when we took Dusty in the house for him to meet Josh and Tabitha, uh, their Millie. dog, the Great Dane, Millie, kind of stood up on the gate and <laughs> she was taller than Dusty.
2: By a good six or eight inches, yeah.
0: So, Dusty asked before we get started. What's the goal here? The goal here is to educate. We're not here to cause controversy. We realize controversy sales. And in today's time, media wants to cause division and create controversy because it's it's clickbait. They want the views. They want the plays. They want the shares. They want the likes, the comments, and all that kind of stuff. What we want to do here is... Our goal is to educate even if we bring in people who don't necessarily share the same beliefs and opinions we do we want to be able to sit down and talk about it you know and not have an argument but see it from both sides we asked you to come on because you talked about your education you were probably one of the smartest individuals I know when it comes to the Bible.
2: Thank you for setting the bar so high. I'll probably sound like an idiot
1: the whole time. (laughs) No,
0: no. Just try not to use those big $10 words because I can't keep up with those.
1: I have always been fascinated with your, um, doctrine knowledge and the way you interpret things. Thank you. I mean, you ask you a question about where to find something and you know exactly where to flip and go to it. Right. It always has fascinated me. When you taught a class,
0: um, what was that class? Uh, the, the word that
1: you can't pronounce.
0: Yeah. it's a. <laughs> it was in, in, in the old Sunday school building. Mm-hmm.
1: Started with an H. I can't pronounce Hermenism. it either.
0: Hermeneutics. Hermeneutics. Yes. Yes. Something like that. Yeah. Didn't even know what that meant, but I went. Let's see what this is all about. In the way you could break it down and explain what the Bible was saying, you know, a lot of people, and this will be a topic that people will get in argument and fight about. Sorry if you hear a bunch of squeaking in the background. Yeah, but be careful. I can't. I'm about to fall. People will argue. King James Version. Mm. Only KJV. Mm. Well, people will say, I can't understand the, KJ, the, the King James Version. Do I read any other translation of the Bible? No. Do I condemn someone for doing it? No. But I read the King James Version, and I come to people like you with your doctrine to translate it for me.
2: Do you think that is a positive thing or a negative thing? I mean, I'm I'm honored that you would feel comfortable enough to come to me, but that almost makes you dependent upon my interpretation. It almost makes me like your little pope.
0: Well, not necessarily. So how do I put this? There's words and and things used in the Bible that, yes, when you read it, the Bible will speak to you in your manner. That's right. what I tell people all the time. Right? They'll say, the Bible, what does the Bible say about this, 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 and this? It contradicts itself, so on and so forth. And I tell people all the time, you read it. You read the Bible and you let God speak to you. You read it, you're probably going to take verse Genesis 1-3 completely different than what I would take Genesis 1-3 and get a different meaning from it. And when I say a different meaning, a way to apply it to your life differently than, than I would. I understand. But there are sections of the Bible that just don't make any sense to me. That's where you come into play. Well,
2: I'd be lying if I say they all make sense to me because they don't all make sense. But I think part of the issue is that people approach the Bible without understanding that the Bible has one core purpose. And everything else is peripheral or on the edge. The main purpose is to teach us about the redemption of God through Jesus Christ for humanity. Sometimes the Bible will mention things that fit that purpose. Sometimes it'll just mention things in passing without giving us any context or explanation And it weirds us out because we don't know what he's talking about because we've missed the goal the book of Revelation for example is the win of redemption it is the end the victory of redemption but if you read the book of Revelation there's all kinds of weird stuff that goes on Mm -hmm. throughout there and whoever you ask has their own interpretation of those things Mm -hmm. but they fail to see that what God wants us to get through that is the lamb, Jesus Christ, he overcomes, he wins in the end. Mm -hmm. How that gets from point A to point B, sometimes your guess is as good as mine because it's still future. Mm -hmm. And so it's speculation, and most of the time people use their speculation based upon their upbringing or the theology of the denomination they're part of Mm -hmm. or their perspective on the Word of God. And at the end of the day, categorically, nobody knows for sure that their interpretation about the end times is correct. God speaks with authority about how to know him, how to come to him, what Christ did for us. Those things are all crystal clear. I like to say this, and I didn't it's not original with me, but main things in the Bible are always plain things in the Bible. God mm-hmm. says it, he illustrates it, he restates it, he says it again, he illustrates it. Mm-hmm. But sometimes God says things and they're not main, and so they're not plain. They're obscure. And we read our own human interpretation in it, and people come up with a thousand different interpretations for it, mm-hmm. and we argue about who's right, and we right. don't know.
1: It's funny you say that, and you're talking about, you know, the King James Version, the children's Bible that Cindy Ray has that she studies. Right. And bless her heart, she is so much more committed. That's probably not a good word to say committed, but...
0: Dedicated. She,
1: more so than Dugan and I are. I mean, that baby will sit every night and it read her Bible much, before she goes to bed. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> that was payback for the short joke. Later. Sure. But she does. I'll go in her room, tell her good night. She's sitting on her bed with her lamp on, reading her Bible.
2: Good.
1: And in the beginning, when she first started it, because she said, "I want to read it front to back." Okay. Mm. Instead of just picking a book to study up, you know, at a time, but she would have me sit down and read to her, and she'd say, "Okay, mommy, what does this mean?" And I would tried to explain to her what it. I felt like it meant to me. Right. And then I would say, okay, well, what, what do you think? What would you get out of it? Totally on the other side of the ballpark. Sure. Mm-hmm. But it made sense.
0: She was probably right and you were wrong.
1: Probably. Because she would, you know, explain to me how, what she got out of it, and I could see her getting that out of it, but that ain't what I got out of it. So <laughs> even at a age of 12, people... You know, kids even interpret differently than what we interpret when we read certain scripture.
2: And you grow in your understanding. Right, you know, and you, you base the it way.
0: off of stuff that you've experienced in your life. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, at the age of 50 that you are, you're not fifty. You're way more experienced and been through a lot more than a 12-year-old has. <laughs> All right, <laughs> she did like that <laughs> joke. Well, so I took the liberty of writing down five topics of discussion. I felt like we're did you just
1: spit?
2: No, it's Dugan who's dipping, not me.
1: Oh, he just spit. I
2: did not.
0: (laughs) We took the I took the liberty of writing down five topics, uh, and we may make a series out of this because I've got a bunch more than just five topics I'd love to talk about. So, if this goes well and Dusty likes doing it, we may make a series out of it. But the first topic. Uh, And I wrote it down, number one, to talk about is the Antichrist. And Mm. the reason why I want to talk about the Antichrist and what the Bible says about it is because everyone's always talking about the end time and the end of this great country. And is Joe Biden the Antichrist? Is Donald Trump the Antichrist? Mm -hmm. Is Kamala Harris the Antichrist? Mm -hmm. And the Bible says we don't know who the Antichrist will be. But, you're starting to see more and more things that the Bible talks about where you're being, as a society, manipulated into things that the Bible talks about in the end times. Sure. Now, does that, am I sitting here saying that Jesus Christ is going to come out on that cloud and sound that horn tonight at 1010? No. But, when you sit back and you look at it, Yes. The world's getting worse. And, that, and the Bible says the world's going to get worse. Mm-hmm. But I also see people talk about, and I called you one time about this, the Antichrist. When does he come? Because I see people sharing stuff on social media saying the Antichrist is coming. He's here. Who is he? Is he Donald Trump? Is he so-and-so? I called you and I asked you what I say.
2: Point blank. You just asked me what I thought about all that.
0: Right. I asked... Does the Antichrist, does the Bible say the Antichrist comes before or after the rapture? Yeah. And your response to me was, depends on...
2: Your theology. Your theology. (laughs)
0: That's right. What you
2: have to understand is that because we're human beings, we read our preferences, and we interpret the Bible differently. That's why there's denominations, because they interpret the Bible differently. Some of them, the differences are subtle and minor. Some of them are major major. The difference between a Presbyterian and a Methodist is miles apart in theology. The way one of, hey,
0: I'll tell you what the difference is. What? One of them will speak to each other at the liquor store to and the other uh, one won't. Maybe so. And so,
2: <laughs> so we carry that core theology of redemption into our interpretation it's a $10 word but I'll tell you of eschatology. And eschatology is, is just the study of last things. The book of Daniel, the book of Revelation, uh, 1st, 2nd Thessalonians. These books are core books about what's going to happen in the end, 1st Corinthians 15. So we carry that in. So when I talk to you about the last days, there are a million people who might listen to this and you'll have a million different opinions mm-hmm. because the Presbyterian sees the end times differently than the Methodist does, the Baptist does. Uh, so, so I can't be dogmatic black and white about some of it because I don't know. But I can tell you how we interpret the scripture, the position that I hold, and it's not without study. I have studied it, but there are people who disagree with me, and lots of books have been written about it, and the reason why there's so much disagreement is because, candidly, nobody knows for sure. We just know what the Bible teaches, and you still got to interpret it, but it's not main. The main point is, Jesus is coming back. You better be ready. When does it all happen? Who's the Antichrist? All of these things. We want to know because human beings are drawn to those things the spectacular the the eerie the weird we, we want to know all about that is it a man is it a woman is he right. attractive so what we can kind of generally pick up from in scripture and once again people will disagree with me but he is a man it's a man he there seems to be some indication that he possibly could be part Jewish and it seems he is of European origin
0: that rules out Donald Trump
2: it does Uh, can I just speak on this I'm not shooting at you or anybody else but Americans tend to read America and our western viewpoint into scripture and it's almost hilarious that you know uh,
0: America didn't exist back then
2: no and there doesn't seem to be any indication if you read the book of Revelation that America exists in the book of Revelation At, at the end yeah, it doesn't seem to. And so but but we look at everything like, you know, whether you're Democrat or Republican, the other side's the enemy. You know, Donald Trump is the Antichrist, or Donald Trump is the Savior. I, I know people on both sides of that, mm-hmm. and and then you flip it around with the other side, other party, and it's the same thing. I read a post the other day where somebody took a picture of Vice President Harris in a purple dress and quoted the verse out of Revelation about how the great whore in the Book of Revelation will be clothed in purple and decked with jewels, and she was wearing a pearl necklace or something like that. That's just the stupidest things that Christians put <laughs> Christians put on social media, like, oh, hey, this is the end time. Look, she's, she's and the they Antichrist. wonder why
0: people say they don't want to come to church
2: yeah and candidly candidly I don't know who the antichrist is I don't here's what I do know Jesus said he's coming back he's going to win in the end it's going to get bad before it gets better but it is going to get better and until then I need to be busy about my father's business and my father's business for me is to be one of the pastors at Liberty Church and get my stuff done and be living like Jesus can find me busy when he comes back and I don't have to be ashamed Outside of that, what can I do? How can I influence people other than giving them the gospel? That's how I affect the end times. But as far as who it is, when it is, and these things,
0: I don't know. I don't know. I just know who wins. Now, do you believe, and this is you personally, okay, that Antichrist will be before or after the rapture?
2: <laughs> the official position of Liberty Church is called the pre-tribulation position that christ will return before the tribulation and the antichrist is revealed after that okay all right that's liberty's official position
0: okay you got any questions about about the antichrist honey Mm -mm. because you're not saying a whole lot and i'm just trying not to fall out of my chair it's close
1: (laughs) i mean i don't know that i believe in antichrist i believe that god's coming to return and take us back to paradise
2: But the Bible does speak of a...
1: It does. And, you know, I interpret a lot of the things that I see in this day and time is in the book of Revelations. I mean, we are starting to see what that book talks about. I mean, I really don't know how I feel about that. I just know God's coming back to get me and take me home, and that's what I'm waiting on.
2: And you you do have to remember, too, that both Peter and Paul thought they were living in the last days. Right. And they missed it by two thousand years. Right. Mm-hmm. So is this the last days? Well, we're closer than we've ever
1: been. Right.
0: Every is day day we're closer.
1: I, 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 we don't know. I don't know.
2: I don't know. I don't know. And I, I talked to my daddy, and you know, he told me way back Jesus will come back in my lifetime. And then he told me he'll definitely come back in your lifetime. Right. And now he looks at my my son and grandchild and goes, Jesus is definitely coming back. But right. I, I don't know. I don't know. I just want to be ready. That's the key. Right. To readiness.
0: Second topic. Second topic. Second topic. This one can be very, very touchy. You know, I asked you before we got started about this one. Right. This one can get touchy here. Now, again, let me remind you, our goal here is not to hurt anybody's feelings. It's not to make anybody mad. And it's not to create controversy. You may believe the same way I believe. You may believe the same way Dusty believes, and you may not. You may, you may not believe the way Leslie believes, and that's okay. But we're here, and we're here to talk about it. The second topic is abortion slash murder. This is a very hot topic right now with the change of administration. Sure. <clears throat> Brandon Guffey, uh, one of the local Rock Hill County Councilmen, you know, we're friends, and he talks about he votes for people based on one thing and one thing only. All right. A lot of people do. Do they believe in the right to abortion? Mm-hmm. And I see this topic on social media, and people just get belligerent mm-hmm. with it. And you, you'll you see people talk about, well, what about, you know, 12, 13-year-old girls who get raped, and they end up pregnant or incest, you know, stuff like that. You know, should they have to give up their life to have this child, they should have a right. It's their body. They should have a right to decide whether or not they want to have an abortion. But when it comes to, and I'm, a, and I'm, a, we're going to kind of piece these together. Murder. What does the Bible say about murder? Is, does the Bible say if you commit murder, you're not going to heaven? No. Okay.
2: It doesn't say that.
0: The reason why I asked that is because I was having a conversation with someone earlier. And they were saying that the Bible does say that. And I said, well, murder is killing. all right. It doesn't say whether you're defending yourself or you're out to just kill somebody. For example, my response was, well, what about marine snipers who have to take out a terrorist who's going to kill thousands of people? They take them out. Right. if the Bible says murder and you're going to hell that person's going to hell
2: well the Bible does give a list all liars murderers or how they're part of the lake of fire but you gotta understand the core doctrine of what the Bible teaches Right? you're a sinner and you go to hell because you reject Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and his payment for you so if I've killed somebody and I accept Christ as my savior or I get forgiveness and my heart is cleansed. I go to heaven based upon the righteousness of Jesus. Not my goodness, not my badness. That's not what puts me in or out. It's Mm -hmm. my rejection or acceptance of what Christ has done for me. Mm -hmm. So will there be murderers in heaven? Absolutely. Paul was a murderer before he knew Christ. Mm -hmm. Will there be murderers in hell? Absolutely. But not because they were murderers, but because they rejected Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And the... Your example of the marine sniper and things like that, there is a difference... And me taking a life, not in self-defense, but just in my anger, my mm-hmm. my my lust, whatever the case, and defending my family and home and livelihood. And mm-hmm. you see that in the Old Testament, because if murder put people into hell, why would God tell the children of Israel go into that town and wipe them out because of their rebellion against God? He would be mm-hmm. contradicting his own law, where he said in the Ten Commandments, "Thou mm-hmm. shalt not kill." And the word "kill" there is the idea of murder, and so. If I'm taking a life, no justification for taking that life. And I'm taking the law into my own hands. I'm guilty of murder. That's does not condemn me to hell necessarily. That rests in my relationship with Jesus Christ. But it's just the evidence of the fact that I'm a sinner. And that sinner has sin has been manifested in my taking a life. Marine sniper though, he's fighting for his country. Whatever that country may be. Just or unjust. He's in obedience to the commands of the nation that he's under, just like in the Old mm-hmm. Testament where God told those soldiers to go in. It's not the same thing. It's apples and oranges, mm-hmm. at least the way I interpret it. How does that tie into abortion, though? That's the question.
0: <clears throat> because if you would have come back and said, the Bible says thou shalt not kill, and if you break one of the Ten Commandments, you're going to die and go to hell. Well, what about 12-year-old right. who had an abortion because she was raped?
2: See, I think that's a misunderstanding of what the commandments are for. It's not if you break a commandment, you go to hell. Because there's no person alive who's not broken a commandment. And the book of James says if you break one, you've broken all of them. It's a chain. If you break one, the whole thing collapses. And so um, the law, the Ten Commandments, are given to show us you can't keep the law. That's why we need Christ. That's why Christ offered his life for us. And the law, the book of Galatians says, drives us to Jesus because we realize I can't keep it
0: The goal is to try Our best Well To keep the laws
2: But that failure but we're not going to You're not And when I have Possessed Christ within me He grants me the power To live A life Of improving Holiness Because he works through me And makes me a better man mm-hmm. And a better woman But what if a 12 year old Has an abortion What's your opinion
0: when, I, when 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 you when you ask me that question we have a daughter who's 12 okay and i it it makes me sick to my sum, stomach to think something happening to her sure. whether she make a bad decision or somebody takes advantage of her right i would i would want her to i would i would take that child in and raise that child i personally this is my personal stance I feel like no the answer is no I don't I don't think a person needs to have an abortion I just don't do and I'm not saying I'm right or I'm wrong in that circumstance or just across
2: the board you don't think there's any room for abortion
0: no I don't I don't think there's I don't think there's ever a need for it I think there's too many options I realize adopting children and stuff like that, people talk about how hard that process is. People will also throw up the fact, well, what if, you know, they don't have an abortion, that child goes into custody of... The state. Huh? The state. The state. They're subject to things. Then they go to an adopting family and they're molested and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. People will always say, well, what if, what if, what if?
2: and there's always stories like that right back it up yeah
0: i back all right so i back it up with and and here's why i guess you could kind of say i feel the way i do a few years ago i found out i was adopted remember that and when you find that out and and your birth mom when you talk to her and she says listen this was back in the 70s in the deep south the bible belt Having a child out of wedlock at the age of 17 was a no-no. That's true. She said, I had two options, adoption or abortion. And then I think, what if she would have had the abortion? Now, well, of course, if she had the abortion, I'm not going to be around. No, I'm not think- thinking that I've made this world this- so much better by me being here. But then I think about my wife, I think about my kids, I think about my friends, I think about my church. I just think there's too much possibility of good to come out of everything. In everyone. one. In every Right. That's right.
1: Ain't nothing good come out of you. Sydney. <laughs> it was a joke.
0: We was having a serious conversation. <laughs> no, because she's just like him.
1: Sorry. I had to lighten it up a little I know. bit.
0: But... No, I don't, I, I, I don't feel like there's ever a need for abortion. That's me personally. Do you think it should be illegal? That's a good question. And that is the crux of the whole argument. That, is, that It is. Yeah. That comes down to my personal belief. Right. And we define illegal. Like, should a person go to jail if they have an abortion or... It should be illegal. They don't even have the option to.
2: I was referring to the latter. Do you believe they shouldn't ne- should never even be offered that option?
1: If you're against it, then no. I mean, I mean, I mean it's
0: I, an I, easy answer. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm against it, so okay. I, my answer is no.
1: Okay,
2: and now, I know where you are coming from,
0: and I'm not saying I'm right or I'm wrong. I'm saying that's my personal belief.
2: And I understand that. And I, I was raised that way. Um, most conservative Christians take that position. Um, some give some leeway for the life of the mother or in extreme circumstances and things like that. But most always conservative Christians are opposed to selective abortion you know, the child has a disease or it's not the sex, the gender we want it to be, or whatever the case may be, or it's inconvenient, and so therefore we take the we take the life. But all of it is rooted in how you value life mm-hmm. and what the Bible says about the value of life. Now I'm gonna be one hundred percent honest with you and there probably some probably be people if they're from Liberty and they hear me say this will take it further than I mean for them to. But to look at the Bible and say where are the verses that talk about abortion or even the value that God places upon an unborn child, it's really limited. The Bible's not super clear about it. There are verses where God tells Jeremiah, you know, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, I called you. But that's speaking more about God's foreknowledge of what Jeremiah was going to do, not the value of an unborn child but there's a place in the Old Testament that says that you know if a man attacks a pregnant woman and the baby dies but the mama lives he'll pay the daddy whatever the dad asks but if the mama dies he has to pay life for life and it depends on how you interpret that verse and there are some varying interpretations and people can study it for their own it seems to indicate a little bit that at least in the Old Testament economy that the life of an unborn child did not carry the same weight as a person currently living. Now in no stretch of the imagination does that mean a mama has a right to kill her baby anytime she wants to but when I'm dogmatic based upon the Bible and the Bible's not dogmatic, I'm not left with a lot of room to work with. What I do have is this, thou shalt not kill and I believe the baby is life. Where do you begin that life? Most conservative Christians begin it at conception. Right, But there are varying stages where that goes through and people argue about it. And that's why I don't think it'll ever be settled. But should it be the core issue and litmus test of everything we fight for and believe in, I'm not quite that strong. That's not the only way I vote. Now, most everybody I vote for carries a pro-life, you know, tag. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I think that clouds the issue a little bit Mm -hmm. because whether or not we have abortion in our country and I wish that we did not, I wish it was, that, that was a stain upon us. The main goal is what needs to happen to the individual who has an abortion. They need to know Christ. They get their life, they need to get saved, they need to get changed, they to make sure they're going to heaven when they die. And the flip side, if there's a good side to abortion, if there is, is this fact, that I believe the Bible teaches indirectly at least, that babies who are not born, who die, or in the presence of Jesus, mm-hmm. immediately, and so that avoids all of the struggle and heartache and loss of life that they would have experienced. It's not a justification of abortion, but if you're trying to find something good in a bad situation, that's at least one element of it.
0: Okay. You want to add anything before we go into the next topic? Because I feel like we're doing all the talking here.
2: Well, it's that abortion, and it's difficult.
0: It it is very difficult,
2: and it's sometimes we. We get so wrapped up in the theology of the right of life and everything that so we take the human element out of it. What do I tell the mother who's struggling with a child who is who is raped or in a bad situation or, or born with a terrible disease or her life is at risk? And I've asked my own wife, you know, if you knew that giving birth to this child would kill you, do you want me to kill the baby? Or, or? And Anna always says, I'll die. Take my life. Let mm-hmm. the baby live let the baby live and uh, I guess maybe that's a mother thing because you echo that Leslie and uh, you know I can see it so but if you take the human element out of it sometimes we're just a little bit too calloused <clears throat> about it's always wrong it's, mm-hmm. it's always a sin you're good you're a murderer
0: well when okay. I say so let's let's talk about that for just a second more When I when I say I'm not for it
2: mm-hmm.
0: I'm not looking at somebody and condemning it right I'm not looking at somebody that had an abortion and going, you had an abortion, you're dying, you're going to hell, you're a murderer, so on and so forth. I look at it and I'm sad. Yeah. Because... I
2: share that with you.
0: I think of what could have been. Yes. Instead of, oh my God, I can't believe you did that. I hate your guts, you're dying, you're going to hell, and so on and so forth. It's more of, I'm hurt. And I hurt for you Number one, because you were forced to be in that situation or you were put in that situation. Yeah. And you had to make that decision. Yeah. I couldn't imagine ever, number one, giving birth. (laughs) (laughs) But number two, having to make a decision.
2: Yeah. Well, see, that's the human side that I'm talking about. Sometimes we just get so busy screaming at each other that we forget that these are human beings involved and maybe instead of just being always so black and white, you can sit down and hear the pain and the struggle. And maybe the answer, and I don't believe it is, is, is to kill the child, but maybe there's other answers mm-hmm. that we can talk about. But you can't talk about any of it if you're not listening, right? If you're just yelling, right. And uh, that debate over abortion has turned into just yelling. Yeah. I'm afraid everything, and, uh,
0: the debate period on everything nowadays has turned in, into guilt Yeah, and,
2: and behind that is broken children broken mothers and they need Christ mm-hmm. and I'm supposed to show them the love of Christ mm-hmm. how do I do that and be consistent with my positions on these things and sometimes it's a struggle
0: the next topic is uh, it kind of plays back into the first topic where we were talking about the Antichrist and I asked you what the Bible says and you said the Presbyterian and the Methodist and so right. on and so forth. Our next topic is denominations. Okay. All right. You drive down Highway 324. All right. When we leave on Sunday mornings to come to church in New York, we drive Once from Rock Once a month. I've, I've been working. <laughs> it's a 30-minute ride. Yeah. During that 30-minute ride, we will pass... Seven, eight churches, mm-hmm. and every one of them is a different denomination. Right. We will pass a Methodist, Methodist Presbyterian, a Presbyterian, Church seven, of God, Church of God, Seventh Day Adventist Kings, uh, uh, Jehovah Witnesses. Mm-hmm. There's a Jehovah's Witness church from Liberty, what four miles, five miles away? Not even. Yeah. Not.
1: It's not even a half a mile. Yeah, maybe. it's right down the road. Yeah. It's.
0: Where did denominations come from? Because in the Bible okay i don't know the bible like you do so this is where you come into play okay (laughs) i've never read in the bible where there is a denomination the only time i've ever heard a denomination term mentioned is in reference to john the baptist okay but that's not because he was a a denomination so let's you educate us on that
2: okay well the term john the baptist means john the baptizer
0: that's all right. it
2: means right no reference to denomination and people who try to draw the line from Baptist today to John the Baptist I love you but that's just being ignorant I I I don't mean to be rude but you're stretching things way beyond their ability to be stretched that's not what it means at all denominations originate in the fact that people interpret Scripture and parts of Scripture in different ways and it helps identify which side of the fence you're on
0: because people are tribal
2: there's an element of that but it's more than just tribalism it is your approach to the Scripture, I, without being too technical about it, let me just give you an example. All right, one of the tenets of Presbyterianism, no, I say Baptist and Methodist, is mode of baptism. We believe that after you get saved, you make a public profession of oh, salvation, right? and that public profession is demonstrated in baptism, baptism. All right, Baptists believe that in the Bible it teaches baptism by immersion. In other words, putting you all the way under the water. And Romans chapter 6 kind of gives us an indication That we're, it's a picture of Jesus' baptism We're buried with him in his death Raised as a new creature in Christ It's a picture, alright Methodists believe in sprinkling They sprinkle water on you mm-hmm. And then there are some groups that believe in pouring They dip the water out and pour over your head Catholic uh, the, Well, the others now know that I envision Catholic They yeah. take
0: the babies and they always hold them over the pot of water yeah, pour And pour the water, the water
2: on their head So, um, and then the baptizing babies is a whole other section of it So that's just one way that when I'm driving down the road, churches indicate to people this is our position on these things. Methodist. You're either
0: going to agree with our position or you're not coming in.
2: Yeah. When you come in, we want you to know up front, hey, we believe this. So if I go to a Methodist church or a free will Baptist church or in Church of the Nazarene. I know that they practice sorry for the word Arminian theology and Arminian theology
0: that's another $10 word
2: well it's, it's one of its major tenets is that you can be saved and lose it you can lose your salvation
0: right and that was one of my topics I did not highlight so right, that, that, we'll save that for that's two.
2: Arminian doctrine Free Will Baptist Methodist Church of the Nazarene and, and other groups various other groups believe that and so if I don't believe that well I don't want to go to a church that preaches that mm-hmm. so I don't look for those denominations Presbyterians on the other end they practice uh, they would not like to be called this they call it the doctrines of grace but it's called Calvinism and one of its tenets is is that hey if God picked you and you're saved you're saved forever you, you cannot lose it all right Liberty Church ba- Baptist in its doctrine would be in the middle kind of, of those things and um, so denominations arise out of the interpretations of Scripture some people believe that once you get saved, God gives you the ability to practice the spiritual gifts, one of them being speaking in tongues and healing. That would be more of your Pentecostal and Church of God. Church and of God. Things. And they're, they're believers. They're Christians. They just practice those gifts. And so when I'm driving down the road, if you want to be part of that kind of service, look for that kind of sign, and it'll be a different service than what you're accustomed to.
1: Mm-hmm. What about um, episcopal, as Dugan would call it? Episcopal. Episcopal.
0: <laughs> Episcopal. <laughs> well, is that what you were smiling about yes. over there in the corner? Because
1: he was talking about, never mind.
0: This goes back, all right, so backstory on how, how that came about.
1: Yes, and this is totally right
0: off side. subject. Back when I worked at U.S. Foods, mm-hmm. and I was sitting down at the table with all the other drivers one day, and I'm flipping through what they called the bills, your invoices, seeing where you were going. And there was a boys' home in York over off Kings Mount Street. Uh, yeah. Does it still exist?
2: Not in that form, no.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. And it said, and I was reading it, and I said, because I pronounce every syllable in a word, I said, Episcopal Boys Home. Mm. I'm like, Episcopal? What is And somebody sat beside me was dying laughing. <laughs> They're like, it's Episcopal, you moron. Yeah. And I was like, oh. And I looked at it and it was like, oh, why did I say Episcopal? That's the backstory. I joke around now, yeah, and I say, Yeah, every time e- we pass an Episcopal.
1: Episcopal church, he'll say, "Oh, look, there's an Episcopal church." <laughs> and I don't even know
0: what the ep- the I was about to say it again. Uh-huh. Episcopal you belief say it all the time. is okay. Well, um, I'm not definitely not an authority
2: on Episcopalian doctrine or Episcopal doc- doctrine, <laughs> but you have to remember that a lot of the denominations originated when in the Protestant Reformation when they broke away from the Catholic Church and many of them are close in doctrine to the catholic church and when they came to the united states changed their name anglican episcopalian and even some lutheran churches are still very rigid in their following of sacraments and procedure and these types of things in church and as a general rule and i'm speaking very generally i don't know your audience they tend to we don't have one (laughs) they tend to focus more on good works and morality more than trusting in Christ as your savior because you're a lost sinner right, be a good person live a good life be a good citizen you're going to heaven you're a good guy many of those denominations lean more toward that side
1: we have a lot of friends who that's what they believe yeah yeah
2: and that's contrary to the Word of God. It really is. i just be candid. Um,
0: well, let me ask you this while we're talking about denominations. Tell me what the difference is between First Baptist and Baptist. Because okay. you see churches called First Baptist. Yeah. And then you'll see churches called such and such Baptist. Okay. What's the
2: difference? All right. In Baptist, and I can speak with much more authority on this because I, <laughs> I've grown up in that. The Baptist, particularly in the South, or either Southern Baptist, Independent Baptist. You have some variations of all of those. And then there's some unaffiliated. When you see a first Baptist church, that's always a Southern Baptist church. It's part of the Southern Baptist Convention. It was the first Baptist church started in that town usually. And I know some towns that have a second Baptist Church. Why would anybody want to go to the number two church when you can go to the number one church? I have no idea.
0: I've never seen a third Baptist.
2: I never have either, but I have seen <laughs> second. Um, and then um, I'm gonna start
0: a third Baptist.
2: Independent Baptists are don't want to be part of a convention. They don't want anybody who lives somewhere else telling them how to run their church or what they want to do. And so that's why they call themselves independent Baptists. And Some that's of them, the way
0: I understood it. First Baptist meant a lot of committees.
2: Well, it's just their, their nature of church governance, but the first part means it was just the first Baptist church in that town.
0: Uh-huh.
2: And that's usually, almost always, a Southern Baptist church in the convention. Independent Baptist churches are not in the convention. Not all independent Baptist churches put independent in their name, but some do. Uh-huh. Liberty, when I first came to Liberty, was Liberty Baptist Church, and they were independent Baptist. But sometimes those uh, monikers, those names, pigeonhole you in places that you're not. Uh-huh. You're not. And because there are so many variations of Baptist, that just because it says Baptist now does not mean you understand what you're getting into when you come in there. Mm-hmm. And there are some Baptists that we don't want to be affiliated with, even in the same name, that we dropped it. And now we're just called Liberty Church. And we would rather you come inside and find out what we believe rather than judging us by the sign when you drive by. Mm-hmm. We didn't change anything we believed. We just said, hey, we're a church. Follows Jesus Christ. Oh, I got a phone call
0: the day after the word Baptist was removed from the road sign. Yeah. From someone who does not even go to church here. Yeah. Dugan, got a question for you there, buddy. Y'all not Baptist anymore? Uh, What? I saw y'all took the word Baptist off the sign. Uh, Okay. Well, you're part of the leadership committee. Can you not tell me if y'all are not Baptist anymore? I was like, um, I I I don't know what to say here. I mean, because it was like putting me on the spot, and right. I'm like, at, at the end of the day, it's like you said, it's 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 a word, it and is. it's and it's tribal. You know, when I when I say the word tribal, it's
1: trivial, not tribal. No tribal.
0: I yeah. all right, but yeah. Well it's not I'm say. saying tribal because you're basically telling every single person that drives by on the bypass that looks at that sign and they read Liberty Baptist Church. If you're Methodist, if you're Pentecostal, if you're church of God, you're not gonna like it here. That is what it's saying. And there's some Baptists whose
2: behavior has been so bad and so despicable and disrespectful. I, I don't want to be identified with that. Right. I'm not that.
0: But how do you know? And they say the same thing about Christians in general. Oh,
2: well, sure, yeah. I can't remove that title, right? But I can't because that was not man made. But right. uh, in the same sense, it, it is man made to a degree. But the Baptist part of it, I can take off. And you should tell your friend. See, go to, does, did he go to liberty at the time? Tell more him by himself. Keep driving. <laughs> <laughs>
0: if you want to know, come in.
2: Yeah, exactly. Sunday
0: morning is it?
1: Nine thirty and eleven. Nine thirty
0: yeah. and
2: eleven. Well, our doctrine didn't change, and if you read our, our core core beliefs, we are Baptist the all the way through it. No change. Mm-hmm. And uh, but once again, come in and find out. Don't well, just for the day.
1: record, I was saved and baptized at First Baptist Church.
2: Mm-hmm. I don't know if that counts or not. Yeah, I've checked the That's records. That's a bad example. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the one in Clover.
0: Oh. Oh,
1: I mean, that's definitely sketchy. <laughs> that was we baptized by Mr. Get, uh, we get to Gabe's the pearly gates.
0: i be like, I don't know her. No, yeah. I'm just playing. Yeah,
2: and Leslie, who? I don't
0: know. Mm. We share the same last, man, last name? I, I don't I, mean I, I, that. I'm I, just I, playing, I, honey. I love you very, very much. My
1: last name's only your last name because of a piece of paper I signed. What does it. that?
0: What is mm. that supposed to even mean? Mm.
1: Just saying. Mm. I didn't have to take your last name. When we got married, I could have stayed my gardener. Point
2: number four, bossy wives. Yeah, point number
0: four. All right, so moving on. Subject number four, suicide. Hmm. You will hear people, and I've heard this in the past, say, if you commit suicide, you're not going to heaven. And I know people who's committed suicide. Mm -hmm. Do I know if they were saved or not? I don't know. Ultimately, we don't know. Right. Were they a good person? Yes. Well, I see them in heaven if they were saved and they committed suicide.
2: Okay. That's a fair question, and I will not deny that I've gotten asked that a lot. Uh, Early church Catholic doctrine taught that suicide would put you in hell because you don't have the opportunity to confess that sin Mm -hmm. because you murdered yourself. yourself. You killed somebody, and you couldn't confess it. But let me ask you this. Let's say I'm driving down the road A smoking hot girl walks by And while I'm craning my neck Looking at her inappropriately I get in a wreck and I die Did I have time to confess that sin? No
0: Where do I go? Depends on if you're saved or not
2: Okay, that is the core Why do I go to heaven? If I go to heaven because all my sins are confessed Well then, y'all better be real careful That y'all got time before you die To get it right. right That's not why I go to heaven I go to heaven because Jesus' perfect sacrifice for me took my place and guarantees me a spot in heaven. I confess sin now to restore the relationship with Christ, not to get me in. I'm in based on him, not on me. And so if a Christian, and I know some Christians, some preachers who have got so dark, so low, so messed up in their mind that they took their life, did they go to heaven? They go to heaven because of Christ, because they trusted him as their savior. Now, will he have to talk to them about that issue? Of course he will. But they're children of God. And even if my son did something terrible, he can't change the fact that he's my son. Mm-hmm. He can't violate that. And suicide is horrible and terrible. It is. But just because you commit suicide don't send you to hell. You go to hell for rejecting Christ.
0: Well, In today's time, in today's cancel culture and everything else that's going on, suicide rate is at an all-time high. sure it is it's through the roof they need Jesus especially children and teenagers the online bullying the online sex predators the 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 hopelessness of the
2: values that the world teaches them right
0: and I'll never live up to this 15 year old girl over here twerking on TikTok getting paid Mm -hmm. because she's got two million followers Mm -hmm. am I not pretty enough am you know, I as pretty as her because she's got a thousand followers and I have ten mm-hmm. her video had 50 million likes my video had four mm-hmm. and it plants that doubt in their mind you know and I joke around and say this all the time we talked about the antichrist earlier <laughs> I believe social media is darn near the antichrist Sure, I believe social media is absolutely destroying this world mm-hmm. and it goes back to you know we joke around and I made a video about it on social media about uh, how our grandparents said that computers was going to ruin the world. Sure. Guess what? It is. Yeah. Because that's what social media is. Sure. Our computers are no longer these these huge desktop stations. They're now these little handheld devices yeah. that we spend the bulk of our day on and how we judge how we're living our life because we're looking at how other people are doing it on social media right and then we get depressed and we start thinking we're never going to be good enough especially the the younger generation they they they're growing up in a time when with us we knew what life was like without social media right they don't they know life is how they see it now
2: right perception is
0: reality right and I was doing some research and I don't remember what it was, but it was talking about how since the inception of social media suicide is at an all time high. Right. And what was it was a documentary on Netflix. Social Dilemma. Social Dilemma. Yeah. You saw it. Did you watch it?
2: Yeah, like last week. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And I agree with it. Yeah. You know, it just makes sense. And a lot of parents that have lost their children to suicide are probably torn if their parents and their grandparents told them, if you commit suicide, you don't go to heaven. Right. So that's why I wanted to talk about it.
2: Well, it's fair. And if there is anything that I can do that keeps me out of heaven, then heaven is won by my works. And if it's won by my works, I'm in a hopeless position because I can't be good enough to get in. I can't. Now, people say, oh, you mean you, you can molest a child and still go to heaven? Well, I believe if Christ is in your heart...
0: You're not going to want to molest a child.
2: Christian, people are capable of doing anything, but mm-hmm. there's a check in me that keeps me from, from expressing the, the darkest parts of our mm-hmm. sin nature. And um, I believe that Christ in you changes you, makes mm-hmm. you a different man, a better man, a better woman. Mm-hmm. Um, You put off the old man. Yeah, and that's the basis of how I get to heaven. And so, even if a person commits suicide, if they knew Christ, I'm sorry they got in that position. I wish they'd talked to somebody. I wish we could have helped them. And Jesus will talk to them when they get there and work it all out. But they're still his child. Mm -hmm. They're still his child. And they're in heaven. And I know a lot of broken families can't wait till they can see their relatives again and figure out why they got to where they were. A lot of pain.
0: All right, our last topic. agnostic and atheism you as a, a, a pastor a preacher right man of god a man of the cloth whatever it is all the terminology and all that i hate all those but yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure you get this i would imagine this is probably the number one thing yeah how do you if you were to sit down at a table across from someone agnostic alright so first of all agnostic and atheism is two separate things right atheism is 100% I believe without a shadow of a doubt there is no God right and there is no well correct me I may be wrong here atheist believes there is no devil either or they believe there is a devil no God well just like there's varying
2: degrees of Christians there's varying degrees of atheists okay but the core doctrine of the atheist would be a form belief in evolution no intelligent design no creator nobody to answer to therefore there being no heaven or hell because those are the end results mm-hmm. of judgment but there's no judgment because there's no judge mm-hmm. there's no God so we're left
0: and then problem. agnostic is I just don't know right and I don't necessarily believe too. there's a God but I know there's a higher power some of them yeah so if I sit down at this table across from you and I was one of the two let's start with agnostic okay how would you in what we call an eight-second elevator pitch Mm. tell me there's a God
2: okay well first of all I want to know why you're asking me because most of the agnostics and all of the atheists that I've ever had a conversation with Wanted to argue. Mm -hmm. I'm not interested in that. John chapter 7, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he tells them if you are willing to do God's will, you'll know the doctrine. You'll know what's right and wrong. You'll -hmm. know the truth. And it reminds me that while our intellect is involved and we're trying to engage the intellect here, and our intellect is directly tied to our emotions, we get excited about what we think is right and wrong, at the end of the day, belief in God is a matter of the will. Because I have presented evidence that people had no answer for. They could not refute what I said, but walked away still an unbeliever. And the reason why was because they wanted to. They didn't want to. It didn't matter. The, no atheist is an atheist because he lacks evidence. No agnostic is an agnostic because he lacks evidence. It's because he's unwilling to embrace the evidence that he has. And you say, well, Brother Dusty, maybe the evidence that he has hadn't been clear enough. Maybe not. But here's what the Bible teaches. God says, trust me, and I'll show you all of these things. If you're willing to do my will, I'll teach you. We say, no, show me, and I'll believe. God said, no, believe me, and I'll show you. And it's the it's the element of faith, And the agnostic is not willing to place his faith in something he cannot fully understand. And because he won't place his faith in it, he will never fully understand it. Did you understand everything about salvation when you got saved, Dugan? No. No, you did not. But as you have grown, it's become clearer.
0: All I could tell you was, and you've said it in church, Yeah. if you've ever experienced that moment where it's like the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ and God Himself sat down beside you and you are overcome with emotions. You and you know that they are there with you. Once you've experienced that, there is no doubt in your mind. Right. And so when when I have someone who's agnostic or atheist. I, it, it's almost as if they're just trying to be stubborn And they won't allow it to happen
2: Well, there's a reason why Because when I embrace the fact that there is a God That automatically makes me accountable For my actions And if I'm going to be judged Then I, I, I need to take some steps Because I know I've not I've been right how can, how can I fix these things And if I don't have to deal with that Then I'm free to live as I see it and the agnostic and the atheist declares there is no God because they've made themselves God. Their mind is God. I can't see it, so I don't believe it. Are you the pinnacle and font of all knowledge? Have you seen everything? Have you been all around the world to declare that there is no God? No. You by faith say there is no God because you're not interested in embracing these things. But if someone will sit down with me and say, Dusty, I've been an agnostic, i been an atheist, but I'm really searching and I want to know. And I'm willing, if I can see the truth, to embrace it. I'll talk to that man all day and what I would probably tell him to do is read the gospel of John 21 chapters and why did John write it? he said I wrote these things unto you that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ the Messiah and in believing you'll have life through his name eternal life that's why I wrote this book so this book was written to get you to believe so sit down and read it that's why I wrote it right. and if you read it with a heart that says if you show me I believe it God show me through your word I'll believe it and I'll believe the things I can't see and trust you
0: take the blinders off. Yeah,
2: it's an element of faith. And we don't like faith. We don't like in that faith. sense.
0: No, not not where I have to trust something. I was, I was having a conversation earlier mm-hmm. with an agnostic, okay? And I was trying to find a way to relate and I said, "You have faith that you wear your seatbelt when you drive, that that faith that your faith is that that the seatbelt is going to help save you in a wreck." So you put your faith in that seatbelt or that airbag every time you drive. Yeah. But you're not willing to put your faith in God. And the response to me was, no, I wear the seatbelt because I don't want to get in trouble and get a fine.
2: So he just circumvented the issue without mm-hmm. speaking to what you were trying to say. But he knew what you were trying to say.
0: Right. It, it, it's just deflecting. and
2: Right. Because at the end of the day, it's a matter of the will. Mm-hmm. When I came to know the Lord, I didn't understand everything, but I said, "God, I, I yield my will." You remember with the Apostle Paul in the Bible? He was on the road to Damascus. Think Acts chapter nine. He's on the, and God strikes him down on the road, blinds him. What does he say? You know what he says? Lord, what do you want me to do? And God says, "Go to this house." In the process of time, he became the Apostle Paul. All right? When was his salvation experience? He never prayed the sinner's prayer. He wasn't church. Nobody took a Bible. He came to the place where he yielded his will. All right, God, i do whatever you want me to
0: do. Right. I'm that's tired of trying the, to do it. My that's way.
2: the change. Now, it's expressed in a multitude of different ways because there's a multitude of personalities and situations. But salvation takes place when I say, hey, I'm a sinner. I can't fix this. Show me what to do, God. Fix it. I, I give in. I yield. Mm-hmm. And the Christian life is an outgrowth of that expression of yielding. People who really grow in their Christian life every day say, God, here's my life. What Mm do you want me to do? People who don't grow much in their Christian life usually go, thanks for saving me. I'll be back in a little while. You know, I got my own thing to do. But that's that's the whole process of yielding to Him so His will is manifested through you. But that only takes place if I'm willing to yield it. God won't force it on me. Mm -hmm. And the agnostic and the atheist both say, "Mm, I have more grace for the agnostic because he's, he admits it's possible, and if he wants to know, I'll help him. I feel like the atheist is intellectually dishonest. Dishonest with himself and dishonest in the conversation. I, I don't have a lot of time for atheists because most of them are belligerent and argumentative. And I'm not wasting my time arguing with you about it because I could convince you and show you all of the arguments that have been brought up about where the core values of the moral code that you possess how you know right from wrong if there's no God then really everything's relative I may as well just live it up and have a good time and if that means expressing my wickedness through abusing you or taking your stuff or whatever who's going to hold me accountable I, you know I, there's no God he's not intellectually honest about these things and I don't waste my time with them because most of them don't want to know but the agnostic if he really is interested in knowing if he has a heart to know he can know if he's willing to yield his will but if he's not willing to yield his will, he'll forever sit right there wondering. Because besides that, Dugan, if there is a God, the agnostic at least admits the possibility Right. there is a God. If there's a possibility that there is a being that made me, loves me, expressed his love to me through all that he's given me, but one day I will face him and give an answer for how I lived my life, what do I want to find that out? Right. Wouldn't something inside of me push to, hey, I, I need to make sure I get to, I get this taken care of? I mean, if you find out there's a possibility that the FBI has come into your house to wait, ra- aren't you going to take some steps to... Right. Absolutely you would. And so the agnostic says, I'm not sure there is, I don't care. I'm he's, not, he's not being honest. Right. He's not being honest with himself because he can know if he wants
0: to. I feel like an agnostic, if they were told you've got cancer and you've got six months to live. Sure an agnostic would be more willing to, okay, I've put this off long enough. I've said that I don't necessarily say there's not one, but I got six months. Let's see if I can get it right. Mm-hmm. Whereas an atheist would be like, well, if I got six yeah. months to live, then I just need to party it up. Yeah, because he's a true atheist for sure. Right.
2: Right. But I, you know, I, no one comes to God without questions. We all got questions. I mean, and I said I have a little bit of education. I've been in school a long time. And there's still things I question, not certain about. But I don't question the God behind it. I know His heart. The lack of understanding is on my side, mm. not God's side. <clears throat> and I embrace His goodness and put faith in His goodness, even when it doesn't make sense in my experience. Because I trust the fact that one day I'll see it like He can see it, and I'll recognize that what was confusion to me was not confusion to Him. Right. And what didn't make sense to me made perfect sense to Him. I have that confidence. Right. The agnostic and the atheist—the only thing they can trust in is their own perception—and bro, that's that's a discouraging and difficult way to live. Right? Because I got no hope.
0: All right. We're hour and three in. You got anything you want to add? No. All right. Real we need quick. Need to
1: thank the rest of our sponsors.
0: All right. Yep. Real quick, and let to go through these remaining sponsors, and then I'm actually—if you don't mind—would you mind closing us in prayer? Oh, sure. All right. Uh, our remaining sponsors, Micah Wynn, local realtor here in the greater York County area. If you're thinking about buying or selling, call Micah Wynn. Sign Techniques, located in Rock Hill, South Carolina, locally owned and operated since 1990. Call them for all your signs, banners, stickers, and all your needs. They did all our banners here and did a phenomenal job. Spikes, pork skins, and peanuts. That's pretty much self explanatory. <laughs> pork skins or peanuts? Some samples. Like, yeah look no further than spike firehouse construction specializing in residential replacement windows vinyl siding bathroom remodeling and any type of residential work you need done bearded mother trucker mr. Brad himself and he has his own little following he does premium beard oil and then certainly last but not least 360 supply which is where we used to have our podcast room at mr. Brandon Guffey our local councilman
1: you missed one Our newest sponsor, Haven uh, Miller uh, uh, with State Farm Insurance.
0: Somebody's got to write her on this piece of paper. Haven Miller. That
1: needs to be you because that's your piece of paper you wrote them all down on.
0: Haven Miller State Farm Agent out of Rock Hill, South Carolina, 140 East Main Street, Suite 220. If you're looking to make a change or add any type of insurance, please reach out to Haven Miller, 803 327 3276. I tell you, I enjoyed this one. I've had some favorites. But I like this one. And, I, and, and if you're willing, I'd like to do some more topics with okay, you. Okay. I'll come back. Same price. Same price. Same <laughs> good deal. All right. Uh, Dusty, if you will, close us in prayer. Sure.
2: Dear God, thank you so much for loving us, caring about us, giving us this, this venue uh, to discuss things in a way that is civil and uh, leads us to a greater understanding. Lord, whoever's listening to this, Father, help them to understand that I, I'm not an authority on anything. But that they might come to know Jesus Christ and what he did for them as an expression of your love for us. And these things over which we disagree or discuss and talk about, God, give us wisdom. Give us understanding. But most of all, give us the love of Jesus. And may it come out of everything that we do. And we ask it in his name with thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. Amen.